we spend about two-thirds of our effort trying to stay front of mind with our referral partners and about one-third of our effort in prospecting. And as a result of that, about 90% of our new business does come through referral. So we, we work very hard to try to be of value to stay front of mind with our referral network. Welcome to the Referral Bench Podcast, a weekly podcast for business owners and salespeople growing their business with networking and referrals. I'm Ian Campbell, CEO of Mission Suite. And I'm Phil Pelto, CEO of Firestorm. If you're working on growing your network, we have another great episode coming your way today. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get to this week's interview. This podcast is brought to you by Firestorm. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization that organizes events and meetings for business owners and professionals where they can meet, build relationships, and share referrals. Learn more at myfirestorm.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Mission Suite, offering small business owners, salespeople, and sales teams the contact management and sales automation software they need to grow their business at a cost that they can afford. Learn more about Mission Suite at www.themissionsuite.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Morton Design Co. Morton Design Co. is a collaborative, creative studio based in Denver, Colorado. They help businesses tell their unique story through thoughtful strategy and kick-ass design. Their aim is to give small to medium-sized businesses the visual impact of their larger competitors. Specialties include brand identity, logo development, and print design. Visit mortondesignco.com to learn more. All right. Well, welcome uh, back to another episode of the Referral Bench podcast. Uh, Today, we have Dave Johnson with us. Dave is the managing partner of C-Squared Solutions. Uh, He's been described as a leader, a teacher, a mentor, and a problem solver who's experienced high growth and turnaround situations. He was part of the founding team at Sprint, part of the turnaround team at Bank of America, and taken two companies from early stage to IPO. He was also part of the senior management team that turned around Sodak Gaming and Evolve systems. Two public companies where shareholder value increased over $1.5 billion. Dave is known for his talent in forming strategic plans and implementation steps that succeed. This success is accomplished through rolling up the sleeves and getting into the details. He produces teams that hit measurable goals on time with remarkably high morale. His mentorship led strong teams that innovated and continued successfully for many years. Dave, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us here on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm happy to jump in. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so I mean, you've been around for a while. You've you've done. You've got some pretty impressive uh, uh, milestones under your belt. You know, uh, it's surprising what happens if you just uh, don't pay attention much. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having having a short attention span means you're a multitasker. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, so what I, and, and, you know, you and I have known each other for a while now and, and, and what I, you know, we've kind of had the conversation that you took a lot of what you've learned over the course of your, uh, the, the companies that you've led and been involved with and whatnot, and are now kind of taking that into, uh, into consulting with the smaller companies and sm- and uh, smaller middle market uh, size companies. And so I'm curious just from, uh, from the perspective of migrating from uh, working with such large companies and publicly traded companies and whatnot, how did you find the kind of uh, the migration and the transition uh, for yourself? And specifically, how did you find yourself really working to develop new business uh, when you made that move? Sure. Um, Our entire team has been both uh, in the early stages as well as working with large companies and they've owned their own businesses. So it's given us a little more of a hands-on approach. 
Now, what we also uh, identified in that in that is is that none of us is strong in sales, um, and so as a result of that, we have used consultants to help us put together our programs. And so, when it comes to our networking, our lead generation, and prospecting, um, we have decided to use content marketing for that for that lead, because uh, if we were to cold call, all you'd hear would be stuttering. And so, <laughs> as as a result, uh, by leading with content which we're comfortable with, which is our own internally generated content for thought leadership, that's our approach to uh, the networking. Nice. Interesting. So, uh, so when you say when you say you're using the content for networking, what are you doing to uh, to how are you using that to generate those referrals and uh, and build that network? Well, we are um, we're coming out with a a one page blog, written blog, uh, less than five hundred words, every other week, and then that is done on an email blast, uh, roughly by now thirty six hundred recipients. Um, then once a month, we do a video blog, uh, roughly three minutes, and put that out. And uh, because we found some audiences like to uh, do a quick skim of a piece of paper, and others like to see a video. So we use those out blast. We, for our um, network that we're going to, we're using the um, LinkedIn uh, links that we have uh, with each of our team members individually. So one of the reasons we have such a high open rate is they see a uh, the sender's name and they recognize it. So they're more open to looking at it. We also have subscribed to the Denver Business Journal database and we use the C-level contacts in that for our email blasts as well. Very nice. <clears throat> Very nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, certainly an interesting uh, method to kind of generate those, generate that network, and and engage that network. Now, you specifically are a bit of a rare breed. You've been a CFO and you hold a CPA license, but you're also a really personable guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I um, there were when I. My undergraduate, I double majored in accounting and electrical engineering because I thought I could get a job with either one and wouldn't have to go back to the farm. But uh, I found if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have majored in marketing. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So um, with uh, how long has C-squared been uh, around? Uh, C-squared's been around. We're on our 10th year. Nice. Uh, it was formed by four partners of a national firm uh, that we'd worked together. So uh, my partners and I have been together, you know, basically 16 years, but uh, we're in our 10th year with C-squared. That's excellent. And uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, sorry. I was just, yeah. just uh, so, and are you guys all here in, in uh, the Denver area? We're all in the Denver area. Um, we Our clients go from Charlotte to Santa Monica. We travel from here. Uh, because we were set up for a remote working with our clients, the pandemic uh, did not stop us uh, because nice. we already had those working relationships. Um, and uh, as Ian and I have talked about in the past, uh, we're very fortunate this year in that um, our revenues increased 40% over last year, year to date. And a lot of it has to do with 
the way we have been keeping in touch with our referral network. We spend about two thirds of our effort trying to stay front of mind with our referral partners and about one third of our effort in prospecting. So this is an interesting point because, you know, a lot of people obviously saw a lot of loss during the pandemic, right? And uh, there are the, you know, the industries that you would expect, but also uh, the ones, the service providers, right? Uh, a lot of them saw drops during the pandemic. And, you know, when Dave mentions that he, that they saw a pretty good uptick uh, throughout 2020 and, um, and it's mostly a result of these 90% referrals and uh, all the time that they focus on spending, uh, nurturing that network, right? Because, you know, then mm -hmm. we make this point all the time, I know, but, you know, it really is building that network really does come down to building the well, right? So that when things get tough, you have a group of people that you can rely on to help you when, when the time comes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a great example, a great reminder for all of us, you know, that's uh, you, the time to be, uh, building that network is not when you need it, you know, and because right. uh, because Dave's done such a good job of, you know, nurturing those relationships in the past and building that uh, that strong network of, uh, of clients and, and referral partners, you know, they were able to cash in on that and see a really good uptick in business. So, um, you know, it's, it's never too late to start. And uh, I think everybody should go out there and, you know, invest the time and energy into nurturing those relationships with their partners. About two thirds of our effort trying to stay front of mind with our referral partners and about one third of our effort in prospecting. And as a result of that, about 90% of our new business does come through referral. So we, we work very hard to try to be of value to stay front of mind with our referral network. And are you doing, you know, you mentioned the content uh, marketing and, and putting out the blogs and, and videos. Are That's I assume going out to everybody, do you do additional things to, you know, your referral partners? With our referral partners, from time to time, we will ask them, is there a topic that you would like us to write on? And it's something that they would think, you know, I would like to take that and use that as a reason to reach out to my prospects or to my clients to say, here's an interesting read we thought you would like. So we'll actually write a blog to fit someone's request. Nice. And in, uh, I suppose, you know, uh, you've made some adaptations since COVID, but in, you know, either now or prior to COVID, were there other things that you were doing to nurture those relationships, you know, taking people out for dinners and golf and that type of stuff? We, we were, we were doing a lot of face-to-face. -face. We belong to um, a number of different organizations for networking. Um, then I require each one of our um, members to be on, uh, in a not-for-profit in an active way. So many of them sit in, on boards and not-for-profits. So being active in the community. Uh, and then in, in addition to that, really reaching out uh, on a telephoning program to people in our network saying, how you doing? How's your family doing? You know, things like that so that um, they know we're interested in them and they're not just a cog in the system. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you guys have a, uh, a good way of keeping track of all the, the information and keeping tabs on it? I, I used to use a, you know, recipe box full of cards, but, you know, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, uh, full disclosure here, we're using ENCRM. Uh, <laughs> nice. you know, uh, 
although, uh, you know, his continual retraining of us on how to use it, you know, is, is wearing him down. But Hey, we're, <laughs> we're here for you, man. <laughs> There's so many things though, to know about it. I, Dave, I that's for sure. Yeah. I've been a customer for three, four years now yeah, and I still yeah. figure out stuff all the time. I'm like, ah, yeah, I didn't right. know you could do that. <laughs> so as far as growing your network is concerned, I mean, are you, uh, do you ever get to a point where you've decided I don't really need to do, I mean, I, like you said, you're active in the community, you're active in, uh, in networking organizations. Do you ever find yourself at a point where you don't feel like you need to continue growing because you have enough of a network that you can just continue to mine? What we we're really focused on, not so much as expanding the network as much as continually pruning it. Uh -huh. Um, as you know, people uh, tend to come and go from various different organizations and so forth. And so you continually need to um, be looking for uh, uh, people in a segment that might perform better. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most em embarrassing things for us is to give someone an introduction to a prospect saying, I, I believe they need your help, and then they don't respond. Right. Well, you do that to us twice, and suddenly you go from the A classification to a D classification. <laughs> <laughs> really so we, quickly. Right. Yeah, very quickly. And so what happens is that we, we have a, pro, a pro process whereby the people who are in our A classification, uh, we try to have some kind of face-to-face -face contact with them monthly. Now, in an A classification means that they're actively marketing, means that they're focused on the same client base that we are, and two, they value a relationship. And so we, they're in the A classification. If someone's in a C classification, it tends to be a larger organization where uh, they're, they're more of a, what I call a broadcast marketer rather than a specific marketing type, like your, your, your four big banks, where you want to be able to stay in contact with them through a drip campaign but having a face-to-face -face with them once a month probably is not going to do that much good because they're just not actively marketing. And so they're not out there that much. Mm -hmm. How many people would you say, uh, and maybe it's not a number, maybe it's a percentage of A versus B versus C classifications do you have in your network? We have roughly 361 people that are roughly. in our referral network. <laughs> and that's out of roughly 6,000 contacts. Okay. So out of the 361, the people who are on the A classification are 56. Okay. And the biggest classification uh, are the B classification people who are out there marketing. They're not what we would call uh, active marketers, but they are out there marketing. Um they do uh, value a relationship, but they don't really pay a lot of attention to what we're doing with the, the content marketing to them. They don't try to reuse it or they don't, you know, it's, it's in they're usually working on a checklist that their boss, boss gave them. Yeah. And yeah. so they're not what I would call real smooth operators. <laughs> <laughs> And you mentioned, so. you know, going through and and sort of assessing the the situation and saying, okay, is this person still in the A classification? You know, how, how often would you say you 
um, reassess people's position in the lineup? You know, we say we're going to do that quarterly, but quite frankly, it's a continuous process. Mm -hmm. And the reason it is, is because people move around. Banks are an example where the last couple of years, it's been uh, uh, musical chairs with people leaving one bank and going to another as banks are trying to buy a book of business and, and try to uh, stay on top of that. So it's, it's a continual process. But we know uh, by organization type who our uh, most effective referral partners are. By way of example, uh, the number one is other consulting firms. So it might be an HR consulting firm or an IT consulting firm or something like that, that we have given introductions to, and that will be our number one source. Our number two source are going to be the regional banks. And out of those regional banks, we have four that we're most active with. And it's because of their focus on their marketing that aligns with ours and why we're so active. Then it becomes regional CPA firms. And some of the CPA firms do much more marketing than others. And then in fourth place are the attorneys. And it really depends on the firm. If a firm is transaction-based, that is, they're doing a lot of M&A, it's going to be far between when we get a referral from them, but when we do, it's going to be a quality one. It's going to be someone who's pre-qualified and really does need our help. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so, you know, we 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 watch all of that. Um, and what because what we find is, is that if we know our channels, it gives us a chance to, shall we say, support them as best we can and try to stay front of mind. As you gentlemen know, staying front of mind with somebody without bombarding him and being a pain in the tush is an art form. Yep. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, and trying to do that. So, and then we have other channels that we market through as well. Um, EOS implementers are a good channel for us. Okay. Um, the um, Vistage network is a good channel for us. And some of the other uh, groups that we belong to are good channels for us. What's interesting is that when you look at some of these groups and you you join them, you will probably not see much activity for 15 to 18 months coming back to you because it takes that long for people to understand what you really do. And it takes that building that relationship that that gets you there. Yeah. So, um, you know, you and I are, are, are share a couple groups in common mm-hmm. and, uh, and we've recently, you know, we recently were both a part of a conversation where <clears throat> somebody was unhappy with the fact that they weren't getting leads, you know, out of the group and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, <clears throat> and, you know, they, and I kind of brought you brought up uh, something that you had said that, uh, that, I mean, you had been a part of this group for four or five years and, you know, I mean, it takes a long time when you're dealing with a small group of people to get people to know. So I guess, uh, what you're doing and how to refer you, you know, so I guess I'm I'm wondering if you can kind of expand on that, you know, when you go into a group, like whether it's Bragg, the Denver advisory board, uh, whatever the organization is, you know, what's your expectation when you, when you first start kind of getting engaged in that group, what do you, what do you expect to be doing and what do you do? What do you expect to be getting out of that? Yeah. Um, as you and I have discussed in the past, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we all listen to the same radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? <laughs> all right. And so when I join an organization, I'm really looking at, um, 
how can I effectively get to know people? So I, I, you know, observe who the movers and shakers are, who can uh, not only help us, but also make it more introductions within the organization and really uh, start to get to know them. But uh, rather than what this person was having the problem with is he was spending all of his time telling people what he does, right? spending no time telling them what he could do for them. And so we spend a lot of time as we get to know people saying, this is what I can do for you. You know, this is, uh, we have this network. We can, we can make these introductions, but tell me, how can I help you in your business? How can I just kind of be that listening post for you in your business? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about you being a customer, but just how can I be that listening post? And as you take that approach with people and for them to understand you really do care about them, it makes a tremendous difference in how quickly you build those relationships. In his particular case, it was, okay, this is what I do. How are you going to help me out? Right. And, and he, he suddenly found that he was not on a, on a boulevard. He was on a cul-de-sac. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how long do you expect to be a part of a group or an organization before you start seeing any sort of business coming back to you? As I mentioned before, 15 to 18 months. 15 to 18. Okay, right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now, I can tell you that there is a such thing as, as luck. Right. Uh, in DAB, we got our, our first introduction that turned into a business after six weeks. Oh, wow. And uh, Association for Corporate Growth, it was three years. But then for the next three years, they consistently produced more than $200,000 of new revenue for us each year for three years. So the juice is worth the squeeze. It was, yeah. <laughs> I running around saying, squeeze me, squeeze me. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's such an important point because, you know, everybody wants, uh, I mean, it's, I think it's just the society we live in now, you know, it's such an immediate gratification kind of thing and, and people show up and, you know, want to get results right away, but you need to have that long-term focus and, and, enjoy the process. You know, it's like starting a business, you know, it's, it's going to suck for a while. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you, uh, Ian, you and I would knew each other for more than two years before I became a customer. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, it, and what happened with it was, is that I understood, you know, what his system did, but it, it we had to get to a point of frustration with the existing, with existing right. system we had to want to make the change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and what happens is that I recognize where people within our network have other people that they trust and respect their work as well. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people all we're looking for is at bats right. and we don't, we're not looking for you to, uh, to put us on second base. And so if we can just get the at bats, we'll guarantee that we'll not embarrass you or your brand. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we can just get in front of them, um, you know, we'll work on that ourselves and you don't have to, um, you don't have to close for us. And I think people, once you set those expectations are much more comfortable referring you. Yeah. So another um, kind of related to the group thing, you know, so you said it takes 15 or 18 months that you expect um, to invest before you get anything out of it. Um, do you think about how long you will be involved on the back end, you know, is it, is it, is there a finite time where you're like, okay, after five years, I need to find a new organization or are you in it for forever until the group goes bust or until, you know, you're out of the game? We, uh, we have stayed in organizations for a long period of time. Um, and we've experimented with others and we've left them because we found just weren't a fit. 
um, and there's been some national organizations to be members of that they are not focused on our market segment. So by way of example, uh, a, a great national organization, national, or national Association of Corporate Directors, we were a member of, but we dropped out because they're focused naturally on public companies. And so as a result of that, while we work with public companies, um, we don't focus on that because they're no fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> well, I, I, I asked because they're, they're one of the, my favorite stories about a group is a, a group that started in Manhattan. It was called the the Wednesday 10. And they started in the, I think it was the late 50s or something like that. And they are still meeting to this day. And it's a lot of the, uh, the ones that are alive anyway, um, a lot of the founding members. And they went from, you know, being in their early, you know, 20s, 30s, you know, not having a pot to piss in. And they were like, look, we're going to get together and just help each other out. And we're going to help each other grow our businesses together. And now they're, you know, titans of industry in, <laughs> in Manhattan. So um, I like having that long-term focus on, on the groups. Yeah, we've been in, uh, we've been in ACG for 14 years um, from our predecessor uh, organization before uh, C-squared. We intend to, some of our Probably our core five groups we're in right now. We intend to stay in that for uh, an unknown period of time. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think one is it's not only uh, the effectiveness of what you're getting from introductions through the group, but you also build friendships. Mm -hmm. Right. So you you know you you want to continue to try to maintain that through that organization. Although you get together outside of the organization, still that organization base is good for the friendship to relate to other people in the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned that you're spending a lot of time focusing on uh, deepening referral relationships uh, in addition to finding, well, probably more time focusing on deepening the relationships than you do finding, doing new prospecting, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so are you finding that like, how many times do you, do you find that you have to really spend time with somebody before you feel like there's a solid opportunity for the, for, for both of you to really look for new opportunities for one another? Um, you know, it's, it's probably six to eight hours that we've actually sat one-on-one -on -one, yeah. uh, talking about not only business, but life. Right. Um, you know, things like that. And it's, and you know, you can tell, you know, when that relationship goes beyond just that professional, hey, you know, um, when somebody needs a bank, think of me first kind of a situation. Right. And you get to that. Um, I was re recently gratified by some of the relationships I had out there when people found out about my wife's health issues mm -hmm. and people actually coming to help saying, I'll come to your house and sit with your wife so you can go out and get something done. Sure. Um, that takes it to a whole new level. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Because, you know, I mean, we all 
know the sayings that go along with networking that we hear all the talking heads talking about with, you know, no like trust refer and people do business with the people that they know, like, and trust. But I feel like there's a lot of people that expect that no like and trust relationship to really happen a lot faster than it actually does. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's important to really, to, to, I mean, the point that you made about six to eight hours, I think it's, I think it's a really good point because I mean, it does take, it's focused time getting mm-hmm. to know you, getting to know one another on a business level and a personal level so that you actually, you know, cause you don't, I mean, you can't trust somebody, right. Just based off of individual business conversations. Right. Well, and you know, somebody, you know, one person asked me saying, why does it take so long? And I said, how long did you uh, date your spouse before you were engaged? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and then once you were engaged, how things change. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, right. And for some people, I'm sure the answer was far too short. And uh, for other people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a just a it's a constant nurturing process. You know, it just never it never ends. And you know, you have to enjoy that piece of it, and you have to, you know, know that uh, it's just an it's an ongoing thing, and um, you got to enjoy the process and yeah. and actually like people. And, and the other thing, I. I say sometimes, you know, it's not, it can't be a move, you know, this isn't a tactic to get business. I mean, it is, but it's, there has to be more behind it. You know, you actually have to care about these people actually have to care about their, um, you know, well-being and how their business Mm -hmm. is doing and how their family is doing and, and not really just be using that as a thinly veiled, you know, attempt to get business. Right. Yeah. What's interesting is, is that, um, we have had in the last couple of years, people change the professions. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they go from one business to another and uh, want to be able to carry on that referral process. Right. And and do that. Well, you know them as a person and you want to refer them, but they're in a brand new business, so you're not so sure how good they are. Yep. Right. And so that's a fine line you have to dance and, and, and to, to continue to maintain that friendship. And get to the point where you have that confidence that they know what they're talking about to tee them up in front of one of your own clients, right? And not have to come back and say, you know, why'd you send me the rookie? Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We yeah. got the new guy. You know, in fact, it's funny. We just because we literally just had a conversation with another uh, guest uh, from the podcast who just made a transition, even inside of his own industry, just mm-hmm. a different focus. <clears throat> excuse me, a different focus of the kind of uh, work that he was doing, and it took him. It took time for him to kind of almost retrain the people in his network to make those introductions. Yeah. Yeah. And, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so I've, I've just got a couple questions, yeah, uh, left here. So I guess my, one of my questions is, and I think you've probably kind of touched on this so at, at, to a point where we can probably assume the answer, but, uh, but are you at a point now where people just understand how to refer you business and who to, whom to refer you, or are, do you, do you actually, uh, find people that you want to target and say, Hey, John, I need a, I, I want an introduction to this person and uh, the CEO of this company. And I see, I see that you're connected on LinkedIn. Can you make that happen for me? When I look at our A-list where we have that contact going all the time, uh, we really don't have to remind them of what we do. Although people try, try to put you into a tighter and tighter niche. By way of example, in our practice right now, we're about 65% CFO, 25% 
COO and 10% CEO. Yet at the same time, people tend to try to pigeonhole some one or the other. Sure. And so you, you have to do that. When it comes to the B and C groups, yes, we do have to continue to remind them of, of what we do. And so we try to use stories and case studies for that, where they have that aha moment of these guys are really good at this, this one. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, in this, in this world where we're just bombarded by information and constantly meeting new people um, and seeing uh, social media content, um, sometimes we have to remind people of that because that information overload now confuses with other people. Right, right, absolutely, yeah. And that's where a lot of that content strategy that you were referring to at the beginning could really can come into play too, right? Mm -hmm. I imagine because it, it kind of highlights to the people that are going to be able to refer you what you can do, how you can do it, right? Videos uh, that, to that actually show you engaging and talking so they know that you're more than just, uh, you know, words on a screen. So I, I imagine that's, that, that's got to be really helpful in that, in that kind of situation. It has. And, I, and you have to use multiple medias. I'm, we're finding that even though we have an excellent open rate for our email blasts, um, the open rate for the videos is 50% higher. Yeah. Uh, just because some people would say it's easier for me to look at a, a three minute video than it is to spend three minutes uh, skimming a page. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you don't um, you don't fight it. You go with it. So you just have to yeah. try to figure out in, in your uh, in uh, your target markets um, that you have those options for people so that you are reaching them. Yeah. You know, everything that you try to do is to get a response back for people to have an inquiry. Mm -hmm. And then once we have that inquiry and we can get on the phone or get on uh, Zoom, you start building the relationship, you start building the trust. Right, right. So Dave, you've got, uh, it seems like a pretty well-oiled machine for you know staying in front of people and the, the system for referrals and managing the partnerships. And I have two questions, I can imagine you know, some of our listeners thinking like, oh my gosh, this sounds awesome, but you know, Dave's been at it for 10 years and he's got a bunch of other experience and people that have helped him out with that. Um, what would you say to that person that maybe is just starting out and how, what couple of steps could they do to get started and, and how long did it take you to develop all of this and get it dialed in? Um, <clears throat> The same issue that uh, someone starting out is the same issue that I deal with all the time, and that's follow-up, mm -hmm. being consistent in your follow-up. And even though we've been doing this for some time, we still get some inconsistencies in our follow-up. Um, but, you know, when somebody's just getting started out, the key thing is to have a message that is genuine to you. And you need to be authentic with your message when, when you go to people because when they reach out and, you know, you're not authentic, um, end of discussion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, somebody just starting out is it's authentic in your message and have a good idea of who you, who you want to talk to. Mm -hmm. So when I meet somebody, uh, let's put it this way, last spring before the pandemic, when I met somebody at an event and, you know, I'll ask them, you know, who is it that you're trying to meet? Who is it that you're trying to approach? And 
you know, if they don't really articulate that well, I don't know where to point them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if I, if somebody really isn't coming across to me as authentic and this is, this is what I want to do for them rather than just meeting my sales quota, um, you know, likely not to, to push them on as well. And so for someone that's just starting the process, it's, it's know your, your target client, know who your, your best client could be and know what you want to do for them and be able to articulate that. So someone can actually help you. Because mm-hmm. one thing about this market in Denver, you got a lot of people that are really giving and want to help. Yeah. But if you can't give them a clue, uh, they can't help you much. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Very nice. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us here today. I, uh, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. This was a great, uh, great conversation. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. I look, I look forward to hearing it myself. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. We'll uh, we'll let you know when it's gonna when it's gonna go live and everything. So okay. absolutely, yeah, for good, sure. Good chatting with you. Okay, thanks, guys. Great, All thanks, right, Dave. Take care, Dave. That was another awesome episode of the Referral Bench Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, tuning in, and sticking around till the end. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate you sharing it with all your friends as well. Absolutely. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever platform you're using. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well. That definitely helps us with our ratings and with our rankings and whatnot and uh, helps us get in front of more people. We're dropping fresh episodes every Thursday morning. So tune in every week and we look forward to hearing you next time. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.